0: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody. What is going on? Today is Sunday. It's the 25th of February, 2018. Let's get our contact info posted. If you would like to contact me, I have a few different ways that you can do so. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. I also have the email address, and if you would like to send an email or if you would like to record your own audio and have me play that for you on the show, I'd be more than happy to do so. The email address is firearmscafe at gmail.com. Over on the website, there are buttons for Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. There is also a PayPal donation button. If you ever feel so inclined, anything you would send would be greatly appreciated. Now, last week I had talked about that I wanted to start using Instagram a little bit more. I've kind of been a little frustrated with Facebook and a little frustrated with Twitter, and it seems like Instagram you have a, still some freedom. And I kind of wanted to use it as a oh an aid or a uh, maybe a little bit of a repository for having some, uh, some photographs of some things that, that just I'm doing in general, but also, you know, when I put up targets, things like that. But also, I, I think I might be able to, and I'll have to work with Instagram a little bit more and figure out some more things about it. But what I'd like to be able to do is put stuff up, and then you could search it, and I could maybe tag it to where you could, for instance, like if we put some pictures up for this show, you could tag, you could uh, go over to the website, click on the Instagram thing that I've got installed over there. And then you could search Instagram. I think Uh, once you got into my account, you could search it for show 159 or 160 or whatever. And then we could have things specific for the show. And if it doesn't work out that way, at least if you were kind of following along, you could maybe go and sort of search it by date or something like that. I don't know. So we'll have to see. Uh, but I I am happy to have that available and we'll kind of see how that goes. I, it's kind of neat to be able to do it. So let's see what else. I think that's it maybe for the housekeeping stuff. As far as feedback, well, I guess we'll go ahead and jump in with that here real quick. I didn't really get too much. I did get a little bit of uh, a follow-up from Thomas uh, from last week, basically on the RMR stuff, just saying that we had kind of answered the questions. He also left a voicemail but did not want me to use that, so I'll honor his wishes. But basically, the gist of it was just saying that his question got answered, and and the the things that I talked about, why the RMR was working for me, kind of made sense to him. So, uh, let's see. A little bit more follow-up from last week, and I think I talked a little bit about that I was going to start upgrading my AK that I have. And part of the reason is I want to make it more ergonomic. I want to make it to where it's easier for me to shoot, more comfortable for me to shoot. Uh, So I have got quite a few, I guess we'll call them accessories. And what I'm planning on doing is I'll put some photographs of what I have. And I've got some stuff installed on the rifle already, but I will probably take some of those things off and sort of film maybe the upgrade process. And I'll try and get that stuff on YouTube. I don't know if I'll be able to get that going this week or not we'll have to see hopefully i will uh, but i was able to over the course of a, a few months probably almost a year i guess realistically by waiting on sales and things like that i was able to get a a stock adapter and and i just recently got a stock and i since i got the stock i went ahead and was able like i said i think i picked up i think i told you last week i picked up a, a buffer tube and an end plate and the castle nut and all that jazz. I also have a, my AK originally did not come with the uh, sight mounting rail on the side. So I got a thing called the um, master mount, AK master mount. And I've got that installed, but like I said, it's easy to take that on and off. And basically it replaces the shepherd hook or the um, the pin retaining plates because you're using these where your trigger pin is and, and your uh, hammer pin are, that's what, what you're using basically bolts to go through there. And it, then it screws that and that gives you the mounting plate. Uh, if some of you guys have seen or are familiar with AK Operators Union over on YouTube, uh, they've got a couple of videos about that and it seemed to work real well for them. So I went ahead and got that. Uh, I got, I actually ordered the little cheese grater that goes over the gas tube and I would liked it. Uh, realistically, the reason I got it is I thought it looked cool, and I did have to do a little bit of fitment on that, and in the video, I'll maybe talk a little bit about that, but I had to do a little bit of grinding on there, and a little bit of squeezing, and this, that, and the other thing, because it is a piece of metal, and when you're dealing with AKs, and especially when you're dealing with something like I have, which was put together from uh, Romanian parts kits, sometimes fitment and things like that won't be 100%. Uh, so you have to do a little bit of grinding or a little bit of fitting or or twisting or that type of thing so i was able to get that stuff done and uh, like i said it's it's uh, i want to kind of make the rifle again more comfortable for me to shoot and hopefully it'll allow me to with some of these things that i'm doing allow me to put some optics on there and uh, do a little bit of different stuff and you know if it turns out later on that uh, i get a different ak or if uh if my dreams come true and I'm actually able to get a rifle dynamic stuff, I could still use some of this stuff off of there. Uh, if I got kind of their, their base model type thing, because I sort of already have a stock and a, uh, the buffer tube and some of that other stuff and an adapter. All right. So enough of that stuff. The other day I was driving home and I was flipping around the radio and I, I was flipping around on a, a through the AM stations here just to see what's uh, what was planned and there was a guy and he was talking kind of lamenting the fact that there was a debate on CNN and it seemed like the debates were all one-sided and it was everything was uh slanted more towards the anti-gun side and the first thought that popped into my head was really you're surprised about that but he was sort of lamenting the fact that Again, the debates were so one-sided, and that got me to thinking about, is it really worth it for us to debate the anti-gun side anymore? And before I, we go on a little further, I'll go ahead and clarify. There's sort of maybe, I guess, we'll, we'll say the kind of like two columns. So in column A, we have the larger debate, which is the stuff that goes on in the media, which for the most part, you and I are not really a part of. And then we have what we'll call the column B side, which is where maybe you've got a friend who's anti-gun or you've got uh, somebody who's maybe a, a fence-sitter that you know or you've got uh, people on Facebook that you're kind of going back and forth with. So we have sort of that nature. And that's, I guess, more what I'm talking about. Is, is it worth it for us to debate those people are we doing any is anything changing? Are we are we sort of winning people over hearts and minds or is it a thing where we're at least giving them something to think about or are they so locked in to their belief system that it doesn't really matter what you say? Let's jump back over to column A real quick. So I do think it is important in the bigger media perspective, even if it is slanted to at least get people out there that are well spoken that have the facts and that can at least put some of the information out there. You know, uh, what, I, what I've seen a lot is that these debates basically are just sort of cyclical. In that, when a tragedy happens, the anti-gun side basically spits out the same stuff. And they, they'll spit out statistics and quote-unquote facts from 20, 30 years ago that have been debunked over and over and over again. And then what happens is, is the pro-gun side, in order to kind of counteract that, we sort of throw out the same answers over and over again. And then the pro-gun side sometimes gets criticized, again, for saying, well, you're just saying the same old stuff you always say, and it's this, that, and the other thing. But, of course, we're countering the same old arguments. Now, one thing I will say that I think has changed a little bit, and this is why I think it is important to, at least in the column A, so in the big media, to put some of these ideas out there. And that is the idea, it seems that the idea of having, if not armed teachers, at least armed staff, from my perspective, you should have both teachers and staff members, you know, faculty members who work at the school, could, from cafeteria people to janitors to whoever. It should not be known who is armed, you know, of course, by the student body. Uh, but that idea is something that seems to be gaining some traction. And Part of the reason why I think it's gaining some traction is it is in some school districts and some states that has become a reality for those schools. And they have signs out there that basically say the staff and faculty here are armed and trained and they'll use appropriate force uh, to protect any any students that are on campus, that type of thing. So and in some way, let's get back to column B now. So the, the, the friends of yours or the people on social media, in some ways I can't really blame them for sort of spouting off the same stuff all the time because that's really all they see. It's a steady diet of the same old tired arguments, of the same old, quote, again, quote-unquote facts that have been debunked. So I don't know. Uh, again, they're kind of in, a, in an echo chamber but sometimes, you know, with, with the way that social media is, this applies to me too. Is I'm kind of in an echo chamber in Facebook. I'm probably in an echo chamber in uh, with Twitter and some of the things like that. I do have some some people that I know that probably are not as pro-gun as I am, but at least they're maybe open-minded. But I don't really have people that I would consider, you know, internet friends or Facebook friends or or people that. I don't have too many people that are that vehemently anti-gun type thing. So, you know, you know, again, so when you're when I'm if if you and I and I again I do it too. I still post stuff up and things like that. But I'm kind of preaching to the choir, and I guess there's some value in that. Uh, in that maybe somebody who's follows me or somebody I follow, I see something that's a good valid point. And then when if somebody brings something up, I can at least uh, like encounter but again i don't know if i'm really changing anybody's mind who is again entrenched on the anti-gun side maybe on a fence sitter i don't know some people say oh there are no fence sitters you know but i you know i don't know there's a there's a lot of hyperbole that goes around and you know it it seems and it's just kind of popped into my head it seems that the only way some of these anti-gun people kind of come over to our side is when something happens to them is when an event happens they got attacked or they got robbed or their, one of their family members got attacked or robbed and they they understand oh if i had had a gun i could have defended myself or i could have at least fought back or i could have done you know a b and c who knows whatever and so that's when when it becomes personal when it becomes something that that truly affects them even though they've they've been saying all along, oh, you know, this horrible gun problem, this, that, and the other thing. But when it comes to them, they want to be able to get a gun. Then they don't want a bunch of restrictions. Then they don't want waiting periods. Then they don't want universal background checks. You know, they want to go out and they want to get what they want, when they want, right then and now. And of course, you look at the the movement like uh, the Antifa things and some of these other people and you know, that you see that those were the same people who a few months ago were saying that guns should be banned and guns should be taken away and nobody should have, you know, these death machines and all this other stuff. But again, once it comes down to where it affects them, then they, uh, then they want to have all the rights and nothing in the stuff that they want shouldn't be banned. And of course with the politicians, you know, we've seen this stuff over and over again. They're, they are hypocritical, and you know you sort of ask the question and i've asked and I've asked this question before and on, on lots of previous shows before of you know are are the politicians are they just stupid? are they true believers, or are they just mouthing platitudes and saying what they need to say to get their base to come out and I, I think there are probably cases to be made for All of those things. Uh, But I think even the ones like Feinstein, the ones like Pelosi, they, even if they got their wish and got everything banned or got it to where, it it became extremely difficult to be able to get a firearm. They would still be able to get what they want because they're in power and they're connected. So they don't care. Uh, They also have enough wealth and enough power and enough influence to where they could have armed guards so the, again they they're the ruling elite they're the uh, they're the ones to where the laws don't apply so it doesn't matter what laws they pass it doesn't matter what they ban it doesn't matter anything because they're they're above it all and they've purposely made it that way and it's both sides you know don't kid yourself so, kinda along those veins, you know, we saw that old Trump had put out a tweet basically saying that um he was um i think wanting to ban he was gonna push for the ban i'm gonna pull it up on my phone and see if i can't if I can't find that tweet here real quick. Let me read it out here, and I can't remember what day he, he put it out. I think, let's see, if, I think it may be actually on here. Um, looks like on the 22nd of uh, February of 2018. The real Donald Trump, Donald J. Trump, Orange Jesus, wrote, I will be strongly pushing comprehensive, comprehensive background checks with an emphasis on mental health, Raise age to 21 and end sale of bump stocks, exclamation point. Congress is in a mood to finally do something on this issue, dash, I hope, exclamation point. So again, for all you guys that were out there who say, well, Trump is, you know, he's this great negotiator and he's going to give this up and he's going to be able to get the Hearing Protection Act up for us. Or he's going to get concealed, national concealed carry going. Look, I don't think so. I think, basically, he probably wants something else, and so he's going to throw out bump stocks. Now, there are a lot of people it's funny, too. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that here in a second, I guess. So let's kind of go over some of that stuff in, in Trump's tweet. And first of all, he's saying that he, he wants to push comprehensive background checks with an emphasis on mental health. Well, what does that even mean? And how is that going to be implemented and what is going to qualify or disqualify what are going to be the mental health uh, boxes that are going to be ticked that would that would disqualify you if is it going to ultimately let's say if something like that happens is it ultimately going to be something to where let's say that you went through a divorce and you're depressed and And uh, maybe it's not even clinical depression, but maybe you just want to talk to somebody and you're like, man, I'm feeling really low. I'm down. Things have changed. Or maybe you've, uh, you've had to go to a different job or you, you didn't get that promotion you wanted. Anyway, you, you go through your work and you just want to get some counseling. You just want to kind of bounce some ideas off somebody. And they're like, oh boy, you know, that could, that could be a sign. Maybe we need to uh, have uh, the police go out and monitor this guy or or uh, go out and kind of lock your guns up for your own safety and you'll get them back you know you'll get them back you'll uh, we'll give you receipt for them we'll take them on uh, but of course in, in situations like that when the government takes something from you it happens very quickly if they're going to give something back to you boy it doesn't happen very quick if at all so i think again it's something that could be used against us and I, I know with this stuff that there, you know, it may sound a little, there may be a little hyperbole or maybe a little going off the kind of the deep end a little bit, but and I kind of want to do that. I kind of want to sort of push and say, okay, well ultimately what could this, what could this stuff, where could it end up at? Or how could it be used against this? So also the idea of raising the age to 21 and I don't know, uh, I guess that means for long guns and which are going to be rifles and shotguns. I guess no more rights for anybody who's under the age of 21 between the age of 18 and 21. Now, if you're going to do that, I guess you know why wouldn't you then say, okay, well, you're no longer allowed to vote because if uh, buying a firearm is going to be one of these things that we consider that only an adult or somebody with some maturity should have, so we need to get rid of. Anybody under 21 can no longer vote. Anybody under 21 is now going to be considered a juvenile. So you're going to have to... uh, You you can no longer send uh, somebody who's 20 up to adult jail. If they're going to be considered a juvenile, if you're going to raise that age up, then you should say, well, I guess anybody who's under 21 can't really be held accountable for contracts. So how does that work for... Paying back your student loans, and I think we all know the answers to that. Basically, they're just going to screw you out of one right, and they're going to keep the things that benefit them or benefit the state. So, anyway, but I was, uh, let's say, a little disappointed in that and what I saw, but not surprised. And you know, the and the idea of we're going to end the sale of of bump stocks. So basically. I don't know why he just says we're not, we're going to just ban them. Uh, and of course I've seen the other day, I saw that somebody's already got a, I don't know, what do they call it? Like the CAD or program or whatever for the, for the 3d printers where you could, if you wanted to, you could just print your own bump stock up if you wanted to. Now, however, look, you can take, you can just use your finger and, and again, you can pull it forward and use the recoil. And if you practice at it, you can get to where you shoulder mount it. You can have it from the hip. You can do pretty much whatever. So again going further down the field what does that mean? And if the gun banners had their way they would say well first we got to get rid of bump stocks and like I think I talked about it a little bit last week and then we got to get rid of the binary triggers and then we got to get rid of well ooh you know what it's you can't have anything that alters what the trigger does from the factory so no more drop in triggers you if, if you've polished your trigger or done any of that stuff no that's going to alter that could increase the rate of fire it could make it more deadly uh, and then ultimately they would say well look you know there's no way to stop somebody from actually bump firing just with their finger so what we really should do is just get rid of all semi-autos we should get rid of the AR-15s we should get rid of even the little carbines like the old Ruger carbines, all that type of stuff. Uh, And we should, you know, you can also bump, bump fire, takes a little bit of practice, but you can bump fire your pistol, your semi-auto pistol. Wouldn't be the smartest thing to do, but you can do it. So why not get rid of those as well? So anyway, um, one of the things that that I said we'd kind of get back to, and before I sort of jumped off, and it has to do with the bump stocks is, I see so many people who say that they're Second Amendment supporters or say that they're part of the gun community and they are willing to throw away one right to get another. And I don't understand that mentality. Um, we are at a point where we you you do not negotiate your rights away. And that was something that in the past that was kind of the mentality of well, that's trying to appease the other side, but of course you can't do that anymore. It doesn't make sense to do that because they're never going to be appeased. You cannot appease somebody who wants your total destruction. And what, and what I mean by that is from a, from a political point, they, they, want your, they, they want all guns banned. And the ones that are true believers want they don't want really a military. They don't want the police, they especially don't want the police to have it because they believe the lie that nobody in Britain is armed, which is ridiculous, that none of the police or the are armed over there. Now maybe some of the beat cop guys aren't, but some of their they have special teams and forces that are of course they're armed. So uh anyway, I'm kinda getting off on a little tirade, so. Oh, you know it ties in, though, uh, the little last bit I was talking about how the police over in Britain, but with the Florida shooting, and I don't have all the details of it, and I'm not exactly sure kind of what happened with it, but supposedly there were some deputies that did not, or at least one that heard the gunfire and didn't go in. And that raises the question of, well, what is the procedure? What is the policy? What do they do? It used to be, and generally what they say is, and I understand the, the, the lack of a better word, the tactics of it. I understand that in some sense, you don't want to just rush in because you don't know how many people are in there. You don't know how many shooters there are. You don't have any information. But on the other hand, I also understand that if you were there and you're a policeman, that you probably should go in, even if you're by yourself, and now, again, I don't know our policy is going to change if they did do a thing where they said, OK, you go in immediately, no matter what. Will that last until a, a policeman goes in and he or she gets shot and killed because there's two or three shooters or something like that? You know, I don't know. And generally, if something like that happens, the, the departments are going to say, no, here's what we've got to do. We've got to set up. We have to get intel. We have to do things the right way even though emotionally we're going to want to charge in there we we can't do that we don't want to throw away lives needlessly you know i i don't know part of the thing for them saying well you know at least wait till you've got at least one other person there and you've got somebody who can at least watch your back that type of thing so i don't know what the answers to that stuff is anyway So I've got a few quotes, and there were a couple of them that I I thought were really good. And one of them was from a guy named Jeffrey R. Snyder, who I don't really know a lot about, but I did like the quote that he had, and I wanted to read that to you guys. And this is a little bit of a paraphrase of it. But the quote went something like this. It said, to ban guns because criminals use them is to tell the law-abiding that their rights and liberties depend not on their own conduct, but on the conduct of the guilty and the lawless. And it goes on to say some other stuff, but I thought that was very succinct and that it got the point across that we don't give up our rights and we don't become subjugated because other people are doing bad things. The last couple of shows or a couple of shows ago, I think I talked about Lysander Spooner and I like him quite a bit. Uh, There are some other people that I think you should maybe take a look at. Uh, If you want to know some stuff about economics, there's Henry Hazlitt. There's also uh, Ludwig von Mises, just for more libertarian thought. Friedrich Hayek, who else are some good ones? Uh, let me think. Uh, Bastiat. Um, there is another guy, oh, what was his name? I think Benjamin Tucker. And he has some interesting things. And yeah, I think he was around in the 1800s. Uh, but one of the things that... Tucker, a quote that he had had and one of the discussions he was having was about when laws get made. And what he said is, the main question is not what motive inspired the law, but what will be possible for men of bad motive to do with the law. And so we see, again, when something happens, we shouldn't be looking necessarily at what the event that causes us to want to do something, but we should also be asking the question of, if we do pass this, what does it mean for us long term? What does it mean for us if somebody gets into power, who is going to abuse that? Uh, and especially with you know with gun control and things like that, you know that's one of the, our main concerns. And I think what I'll do is I'll go ahead and leave you with a quote from Spooner, and he was talking about government, and again along those lines when it kind of gets a little bit too. It goes beyond its scope. And he said, any government that is its own judge of and determines authoritatively for the people what are its own powers over the people is an absolute government, of course. It has all the powers that it chooses to exercise. There is no other or at least no more accurate definition of a despotism than this. So basically what he's saying is when that we the people no longer have any say in what laws the government makes and what is going to apply to them or not apply to them and what is going to apply to us and that they can just make whatever laws they want absolutely with no, no dissension, no recourse, then we have despotism. And I think, unfortunately, that in our country that is a lot of what we have now. You know, you think about a lot of the not only just the laws, but the bureau, the bureaucracy that you, you can't fight city hall. When you look at if the if the attorney attorney general's office or if the government, let's say just in general, if they come after you, you're you're screwed. There's really not a whole lot you can do. Basically, what you do is you sort of try and get the best deal that you can get with the least amount of prison time. All right, I think I'm starting to kind of go off on some uh, rants here. So, but anyway. I know the show may be a little bit shorter this time, but I uh, look forward to putting out some of the AK stuff and uh, maybe getting some videos out and doing some stuff on Instagram. So go over to the website, click on the old Instagram button and follow me. All right, guys, I will talk to you next time.